ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय भगवचन वासुदेवायुदेवायुदेवायुदेवायुदेवायुदेवायुदेवायुदेवायुदेवायुदेवायुदेवायुदेवायुदेवायुदेवायुदेवायुदेवायुदेवायुदेवायुदेवायुदे
anichanapi vashna ya praladi vaniyojitaha. We want to be good, Arjuna says. Why is it that we perform sinful activities as if forced to do so? Now, referring back to the Upanishads, we often find in the Upanishads there are very indirect answers given. It's not expressed very clearly. But here the beauty of Bhagavad Gita, everything very clear. Krishna gives very clearly. What is the situation? No beating about the bush. But what is the fact? Why are we performing wrong activities? Because of karma. Now this karma that means material desire it also specifically refers to sexual desire because that is the there are so many material desires desires for power desires for wealth desire for fame desire for comfort desire for knowledge these are all different kinds of lust of which the Desire, sexual desire, that is considered the very strongest, but they're all transformations of the, they're all, not exactly transformations, different manifestations is a better word, different manifestations of the desire to enjoy this material world, which Prabhupada analyzes in the purport that that desire to enjoy this material world is the perversion of the desire to love Krishna. Now, this lust or this material desire, Krishna explains in the next few verses that it's very deeply situated within our consciousness. Very deeply situated within our consciousness, so much so that practically it appears to be synonymous with our consciousness will find, just how many verses later, after one, two, three verses after this, Krishna says, Indriyani Paraniyaho Indriyabhya Parangmanaha Manasas Tu Parabhuta Yobhuti Karasas Tu Saha that there, there are the senses and above that is the mind and above that is the intelligence and above that is the soul. Yobudhe paratas tu saha is what Yobudhe that he that is above the buddhi that thing saha he is so generally that's understood that means the atma but it's very interesting that Ramanujacharya translates this that above the senses the mind above this mind is the intelligence and above the intelligence is lust <laughs> it can be taken like that because is it Yobudhe paratas tu saha this this thing, this point. It can be taken, it's not an incorrect interpretation, it can be taken that way. It can be taken either way. We can refer to the Atma, which is uh, referred to in the next words. It can be taken. Evan buddhi pran buddhva It can be understood that this refers to the Atma. 
It can also be understood that it refers to lust, because this is the topic under discussion at the present time. So in that case, if we understand it like this, that means that we, we have our senses, our mind, our intelligence are more deep even, or more close to our consciousness is lust for those who are in material consciousness. So that means, and then that becomes the answer to the question, why is it that we are forced to do things which we don't want to? Forced that we don't, to do things that we don't want to means that we, are, we have our senses which desire, or the senses, senses are designed, the senses are coming in contact with the sense objects. And then there's the mind by which we, senses are there, and as soon as there's a sense object, then the desire to enjoy is there, because lust is behind it. And there's the mind by which we think, yes, I should, or no, I shouldn't. Sankalpa vikalpa. I will accept, or I will reject. And there's the intelligence which guides us. The animals, they don't have this. Right, what is right, what is wrong. Even the animals, to some extent, they may have that. To some extent, they may have a sense of right or wrong. A dog, he, he understands what he's trained by the master. You shouldn't pass urine inside the house. You have to train from a young age. Exactly a sense of right or wrong they don't have. But they know I shouldn't do this. If I do this, then we'll get a beating. This is for people who keep dogs in the house. This is for Western culture. You should learn these things. Then you'll be advanced. How to train your dog. An important part of Western life. In India, they don't do that. They just the, the dog pulls them around on the lead when they go for a walk. In the West, they train them so that he doesn't. They don't pull. Anyway, this lecture is not about training dogs. It's about training the mind. So, uh, sense of right and wrong that is guided by the intelligence. By the intelligence, we again. How does intelligence operate? On the intelligence has to operate on the platform of knowledge. So we know what is right and wrong by hearing from Shastra, or even for those who are, don't follow the Shastra, they, they may be humanists, but they still have a sense, this is right and this is wrong according to their moral codes. So they have a sense of right and wrong, and therefore they understand, I should do this, I shouldn't do this. I see there, someone has dropped their purse on the ground, it has money inside. I just saw it drop out of that pocket. I can put it out and put it in my pocket. But because I have a moral sense, oh, then he has to feed his family, I should pick it up and give it to him. Or I may think that, well, if I'm caught, then I'll be beaten and people will chastise me and I have a bad reputation. Or we may think that if I take it and put it in my pocket, then I'll have to suffer some sinful reaction. There may be different reasons that we think it is right and it is wrong, but we, by our intelligence we think. But by our, according to our sensual or mental understanding, we should go, yes, I'll put it in my pocket. Because if the 500 rupees is, is in my pocket, I can enjoy life. And what the hell of the guy who it belongs to? I can enjoy my senses more. I can go to the movies, I can buy a bottle of whiskey, I can enjoy. 
Prabhu Intelligence says no. It's too risky, you'll get caught, and then you'll be beaten, and then people will chastise you, you'll have a bad reputation, your parents will be upset, and it's so many things right there. So the intelligence is the one we're thinking, no, I can enjoy, it's a risk, but it's not very much risk. And then, okay, put it in my pocket. And immediately someone turns around and says, where's my pocket? And he said, oh, I just saw it, and then beat him. Or you may get away with it, so-called. Or you, you may take the money, and then you spend it, and then you think, oh... Actually, I shouldn't have done that. And you feel very bad. I did wrong. Why did I do that? I knew it was wrong. I shouldn't have done it. Why did I do that? Because the lust was greater than the intelligence. The desire to enjoy was so strong that even though Jani Ashuni Abhisha Kaini, the Rotanda Manusha Janama Paya Radha Krishna Navajiya Janiya Shunya Vishakan. I got this human form of life. I got the opportunity to worship Radha and Krishna. But instead, I didn't. Therefore, I'm knowingly drinking poison. So I gave a very simple example of how. Someone may see someone's money has fallen out of his pocket and he takes it. But actually, you see, when it's said that lust is even greater than the intelligence. What that means is that lust is actually very subtle. It's not always very simple like this. It can be very subtle also. And as you see, the, the, the mental platform and the, the platform of the intellect, it's very complex. So when we say that lust is greater than the intelligence, it doesn't mean simply some. Uh, it doesn't mean simply that uh, sensual urge, but it means very, very deeply it enters within our consciousness. As Krishna describes in the next verse, "Do me na bhiyate vaanhe yata dasho malle nacha yato be na bhito garbham garbhas tata te needa na The different examples are given. Just like fire is covered by smoke, or a mirror is covered by dust, or the embryo is covered by the womb. So there are different levels of covering of the living entity by lusty desires. And it again is so deeply into our consciousness that unless we're very clearly trained, unless our intelligence is purified and very clear, then we cannot distinguish lust from pure consciousness. You see it said how avitam jnana metena. This lust covers the pure consciousness of the living being. Therefore it is such an insidious enemy. It's almost like you see, it's like a traitor in the state or in the, say in the army. They're all making plans how to attack Pakistan or whatever. And whatever, or whatever they do, they find that 
So they're making a surprise attack. And already the whole Pakistani army is there waiting for them. And then they know, someone's already told them. There's a traitor among us. Someone who's supposed to be acting for our interest, but is acting for the interest of the enemy. So like that, these lusty desires, they speak to us as if they're our friend. That you just enjoy. You're just enjoying and you'll be happy. Why should you bother with this Krishna Bhakti? You just enjoy. But then we find out that we're not happy. So these lusty desires, they're acting through our intelligence as if they are our friend. But actually, it takes us away from Krishna Bhakti. And even it may, just like I'm saying, lust is generally defined as sexual desire. They may act in very subtle ways, just like Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he warns that, uh, what is that? Kutinati Jiva Hinsha, Kutinati Nishidata Jiva Hinshan, Lava Puja Pratishta Jata Upashaka Gan. He warns that there are subtle desires which can reside in the heart of the transcendentalist, of the devotee, which can spoil his bhakti. Kutinati, duplicitous behavior. If one is not acting straightforwardly, he tells people that, uh, yes, you just come, you give some donation for Krishna, you should serve Krishna, you give some donation. But actually, He's not giving the donation to Krishna. He's saying, you do in the name of Krishna Bhakti and preaching to people. You do Bhakti, you'll get a benefit. You get 5,000 rupees and then he puts it in his own pocket. So that's duplicitous, cheating behavior. So in the name of Bhakti, of course that's outright cheating. Uh, Nishidacha, he does things which are against the Vedic directions. Jiva Hingshan, in the name of bhakti, mistreating people. And then, very subtly, lava, in the name of bhakti, one is thinking that, well, you know, I'm performing bhakti, and but I also need something for my body, because I need to, for my, so we have to keep the body fit for serving Krishna. Therefore, for the sake of bhakti, I need... Uh, air conditioner, first class car, and all the best things, because I have to keep the body fit to serve Krishna. So in the name of serving Krishna, we're living a very luxurious way. Or puja, we think that people should worship me, and pratishta, people should honor me. So we think that, yes, actually I'm a guru, so everyone should worship me. And actually the Guru is supposed to be a transparent biomedia. He's supposed to accept the worship and offer that. But if he thinks, yes, everyone should worship him, why, why aren't you worshipping him? He's actually desirous of that for his own sense, subtle sense gratification. Or desirous of honor. It can be mixed up. This, in this other example, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gives of the Bhakti Lata, the growing tree or the creeper of devotional service. 
But that can, this is mixed up with the upashaka or the weeds, which may look like bhakti. We may think, I'm doing bhakti. You see, I'm working so hard to serve Krishna. And in the beginning, the desire may be that I will serve Krishna. But what happens then? People say, oh, you see, very nice devotee. And we think, oh. Just to allow a little bit of that desire to enter our heart. People will praise me. And then immediately, that is calm. That is material desire. And we desire that. And we work very hard for Krishna. And we serve Krishna very nicely. But actually, the desire to be praised is growing in our heart. And eventually what happens is that originally the desire to serve Krishna purely only for His pleasure becomes gradually replaced by the desire to be honored by others. So externally we're going on with bhakti, but in our hearts, lust has taken over, the desire for honor. And what happens, in the beginning it may be very subtle, but eventually if the devotee doesn't check that, then it just simply manifests as gross sexual desire. So that you come back, this calm, it means material desire, and the grossest manifestation which you eventually come to is gross sexual desire. So sometimes you see, it may be that the sannyasi or a staunch brahmachari, they fall victim to sexual desire because they haven't checked. The, they may have checked the gross sexual desire, but in their hearts they haven't checked the, this uh, desire for honor, pain, name. And therefore, they become weakened by the desires, material desires. And their intelligence becomes polluted because instead of the intelligence being dictated by Krishna in the form of Guru, Sadhu and Shastra, instead of the consciousness being purified by placing our desires at the lotus feet of Krishna, instead, maybe in a very subtle form, the desire for material enjoyment is coming through and therefore the intelligence becomes subordinate to material desires. Therefore this is, Ramanuja has given this interpretation that that the intelligence becomes, for one who is controlled by lusty desires, the intelligence becomes subordinate to material desires. And therefore the whole line comes, lust, intelligence, mind, senses, and therefore everything is pushed by lusty desires. Therefore, everything has to be placed at the lotus feet of Krishna. Therefore, Bhajahure Mana, Srinanda Nandana, Savaimana Krishna Padara Vindaya. One should place the mind at the lotus feet of Krishna. So then when we say, why not the consciousness, why not the intelligence? Because the mind is the, that is the platform where all these things are, all these things are tested. But ultimately with the mind we have to accept or reject. This is the business of the mind. Sankalpa vikalpa. I shall do this, I shall not do this. I shall act in this way. From one side the senses are pushing. 
And from the other side, the intelligence is dictating, and in the middle is the mind. But if the intelligence is dictated by lust, which, see, lust is on the sensual platform, and that is saying to the mind, you do this, you do that. And on the other side, there is the intelligence. But if lust is coming from the other side also, then there's no, then there's no hope. Then we're simply on the animal platform. That's why Prabhupada would always say that without Krishna consciousness, one is simply a cat and a dog. Why? I'm so intelligent. Because the intelligence is being dictated by lusty desires. The animals don't have the intelligence to differentiate between what we should do and what we should not do. So if the human beings don't have that, their intelligence may be working to build big skyscraper buildings and there's so much technological development. But their intelligence is dictated by lusty desires. So they're only on this, ultimately, they're only on the sensual platform. They can't escape the dictates of the senses. They can't go beyond that. So how to break this cycle? That the senses are impelling us towards activities to fulfill our lusty desires. And the mind has to choose or reject. But if the mind cannot choose or reject without the, what to do, what not to do, and without the help of the intelligence. But then the intelligence has to be guided by proper activities, by, by proper understanding, which comes from Guru, Sabha and Shastra. Therefore, Prabhutin Chani Bhutin Chachanana Vidurasuraha, those who are demoniac, they don't know what is proper and what is not proper. Because they are on the platform of Murbhaka Vimana Cha, Kodha Parishamela Cha, Ajnana Cha Vijatasya, Padha Sambhavan Asurim. The demons, they are proud, arrogant, conceited, angry, same thing here, Kama Esha, Kodha Esha, angry, harsh in their, very harsh in their behavior, very roughly behaving, very nasty. And Ajnana, they don't have knowledge. You say they have knowledge, they're building big skyscraper buildings, they have not. But they don't have knowledge of Shastra. Even they may have knowledge of Shastra, just like Ravana, he was a pandit. He was the son of a pandit and he himself was learned in Shastra. He was performing yagyas. But he didn't have the knowledge which differentiates between what is to be done and what is not to be done. In other words, though he had knowledge of Shastra, he lacked vivek, or proper discrimination. What rascal is called Vivekananda. It's completely the wrong name for him. Absolutely the wrong name. He had no proper vivek. Therefore he could accept such a nonsense idea of Jatomat Tatopat. If you say Jatomat Tatopat, then that means there's no vivek. Everything is all the same. And then how his name came Vivekananda? It's absolutely the wrong name. Because he cannot differentiate between what is right and what is wrong. So he's all, he's all the same. Everything's all right. It's all right. Then why Vivek? Then there's no Vivek. Vivek means to discriminate between what is proper action and what is not proper action. Tasmat Shastra Pramanamte, on the basis of Shastra. Of course, this rascal, he also used to call Shastra, but then he, he just 
twisted it all up and came to some nonsense idea. So, one should know actually what is right and what is wrong on the platform of Shastra, and, but then not only Shastra, but uh, there has to be also the mercy of Krishna. Otherwise one may be a Shastra jnani, but he cannot understand Shastra. And we find so many persons, they have uh, superficial knowledge of Shastra, but they don't understand Krishna. And therefore, even if by their knowledge of Shastra they go up to the Parampadam, again they fall down again, because they are, don't know what is the actual purpose of Shastra, which is Krishna. So Krishna is speaking very... just giving the actual point. It is lust. This is the cause of all our problems. Otherwise, without understanding that, we, just like you were asking about astrology, so, without understanding very clearly that Krishna consciousness is the solution, then even you see someone, someone who becomes very much absorbed in astrology, they see everything through the eyes of astrology. And they see, oh, you see this person, he's having this problem, that's because he has Rahu in this house and this and Ketu in this house and so that may be, a, that's an indication of the problem. But the real problem is Kama Esha, Koda Esha, Rajagona Samadrava. That is the real problem, because we are not Krishna conscious. And you may adjust this, that, you, okay, you recite Hanuman Chalisa, or you wear some ring or something like that. But that doesn't actually solve the problem. Because the real problem is lack of Krishna consciousness. Or someone who is studying Vastu Shastra and say, oh, you have a lot of mental tension, so you, uh, you block up this window and you put a wall here. But it's not the real solution. The real solution is Krishna Bhakti. Now, if you put a window here and a wall there, and if the guy is actually knows Vastu Shastra, or if the astrologer actually knows astrology, because many astrologers say, they don't actually know very well. Especially some devotees, they think they just read a few books and they think, now I know astrology. And they give advice as if they're a great astrologer. But actually to understand astrology, you have to, you have to go so deeply. It's a very deep science. So, uh, there may be some relief of the symptoms by well, someone will say, you see, well, you're like that because you, someone who's into Ayurveda, they'll say, he's like that because he's a bat. You see, people of bat, they're like that. And someone who's pitta, they're like this. And so they'll tell you, well, you eat different, this food increases bat, don't eat that. And you should eat more of food which increases the vayu, uh, no, not the vayu, so that which increases the pitta or the cup and that. You have to balance your, you see, and then, you'll, then you won't have so many problems. So we're looking at it from different angles. But what is the root problem? The root problem is the desire to enjoy separately from Krishna. And what is the solution to that? To become Krishna conscious. Otherwise, this karma, as I was saying, is very subtle at different levels. 
very, very subtle. And uh, how to extricate ourselves from that? Even Prabhupada used to say, I used to think that my Guru Maharaj, when he first saw me, he told me to preach. Actually, before even Prabhupada said anything to him, the first thing, before even saying my name, I'm this and that, Prabhupada, the first thing he told him, you should preach Krishna Bhakti. As soon as he saw him, he didn't wait, what is your name, where are you from? And then he told him, you are a young man, you're educated, you should preach Krishna Bhakti. So, Prabhupada said he got that order from his guru. And then his last exchange with his guru, he sent a letter that, I'm a householder, I couldn't serve you, how can I serve you? He got a reply, you should preach Krishna Bhakti. Well, that's the first thing he told me. And then after all these years, again, it's the same thing he's telling me. So Prabhupada, he described that actually I thought, well, I'm a Grihastha, and I thought, let me earn a lot of money. Because these sannyasis are all begging him. Let me earn a lot of money and live that outreach. <laughs> but it never worked. So, of course, Prabhupada's a liberated soul. But this is an example we may think of, let me do this first and let me do that first and then I'll preach. First I have to memorize all the verses of Srimad Bhagavatam, then I'll preach. Okay. First of all, you see, I should become more pure, then I'll preach. You may think like this. Or you may think that, yes, I'll serve Krishna, but first I have to do this and that. And there may be some case. But it may be also that simply in the name of Krishna Bhakti, we're putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. Because we have some material desire to fulfill. So, Naya is a very formidable enemy. But, as Krishna is pointing out here, actually Naya is not the enemy. Purusha Sukhatu Kanam Bhutritve Hetu Ruchate. Kaya Kana Katritve Hetu Prakriti Ruchate. The combinations and permutations of material nature that we experience, the cause of that is Prakriti, Maya. But the suffering or enjoyment, so called enjoyment, we ourselves are the cause of that. We may say, oh, Maya is giving me a hard time. Maya is simply the instrument. We ourselves are the cause. The enemy is not Maya. He said the enemy is lust. And what is that lust? That is our own perverted desire to be separate from Krishna. So you may say, oh, Maya is giving me such a hard time. It's not Maya. It's us. Maya is giving us a hard time because we ourselves our desire is to be separate from Krishna, and therefore Maya simply as a result of that is giving us the necessary punishment. But it is our own wrong desire to be separate from Krishna that is the cause of all our suffering. Krishna is explaining. We are the rascal. Muha. Krishna uses these words repeatedly in Gita. So we'll discuss more about this tomorrow. Is there any question? Mm-hmm.
Prabhupada is never at itself from birth. <coughs> well, he described that he was already married at that time, so he had a household responsibility also. And it wasn't that he didn't preach, but Prabhupada said, I came in my old age to preach. He said, actually, I should have done it right away, but I didn't. So we can understand there's a plan of Krishna also, because you can see the Prabhupada, what he did, when he did start preaching, of course, in the beginning he was struggling, what he did that so many people were preaching throughout their lives, they didn't do anything, even one millionth of what Prabhupada did. Among all of Prabhupada's godbrothers together, they, uh, they didn't do one millionth of what Prabhupada did, even sannyasis who were preaching so many years. So one thing there's a plan of Krishna there. Another thing is that uh, there's also a sense of family responsibility, that when there are certain responsibilities to be discharged. So that's also part of being an acharya, is that even if one is perfectly realized, that uh, he should set a good example for human society. Otherwise everyone in the name of preaching, as soon as there's some difficulty in home life, which there will be, certainly, then they'll oh, now, now I'm going to be a preacher. Well, just drop it. Another thing Prabhupada said is that uh, one may not neglect the order of the Guru, but he may defer it. You know, defer means it means you may do it after some time. So he said, in my case, I never thought not to fulfill the order of my Guru, but I, uh, I didn't fulfill it immediately. So there are some different considerations. Purity, yes, but purity is based on desire. There's one thing we always used to hear from Goryama because the scum was preaching and they were saying, well, first you have to become pure, then you preach, because they weren't preaching. Now they got some idea from Prabhupada and Iskam. They used to say, first you have to become pure. So when Prabhupada was asked about this idea, he said, then you'll never become pure. <laughs> if you think I'll become pure, then I'll preach. When are you going to become pure? And is this devotee ever going to say, now, I, now I'm pure? But rather, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's order is there to immediately preach. So some level of purity is there. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be smoking cigarettes and preaching. But some minimum level should be there. We're following the principles. And uh, we should also preach according to our realization and according to our ability. Just like everyone can take Prabhupada's books and go and distribute them. You can do that. So that's better. And that way you have Prabhupada preaching through his books. The rate of material which we have on Prabhupada in the devotion path, we can go from the Prabhupada in the worship. But Krishna comes in the Bhagavad Gita, I can take to this path 
Krishna says, my devotee will never be destroyed. He doesn't say he will never fall down. He speaks of the Brashta Yogi. He speaks of the Yogi. Krishna describes in Bhagavad Gita of the Yogi who falls down. He says, Nane Bhakti Pranashyati. It doesn't mean, he doesn't say, Nane Bhakti Patanti. He doesn't say, my devotee will never fall. Devotee may fall. But Krishna, if he's actually serious to be a devotee, and even if he's fallen, Krishna helps him to get back up again. But if one is not attentive on the devotional path, then uh, he can't expect that, oh, now I'm a devotee, Krishna's got to look after me. It has to be serious also. If one doesn't follow the process properly, then he may fall down. Or even he may have what is called an accidental fall down. means he wasn't planning it, but somehow he came into a situation where he found the he couldn't control his senses when he told us. But a devotee, if he falls down, he doesn't become like a karmi because he's under the shelter of Krishna. Even if he falls, Krishna helps him to get back up again. But then if one thinks that, oh, okay, you know, fall down, Krishna will help him, then Krishna doesn't help. That means you want it, you deliberately want to fall. That's rascal. Mm-hmm. Hare Krishna started by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Thank you, He's called Shankitan Pravarta. Means he established it. Not exactly began because Sankitan is eternal. Began in the sense that he's the root of everything. But he established it within the world, although Sankitan is eternal. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not the first time in history that there's been problems. Even right after the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, there were so many bogus incarnations and pretenders. And I just speak about the Goryamat. They, they, the Goryamat just... I mean, it's so many, it's split up into so many different groups. It's severe infighting. So it's gone, it's gone through problems, but actually, nothing like the Goryamans. So, we're living in the kingdom of Maya. We can expect there will be problems. my mind concentrates or catches hold of a point or part of the speech which I consider interesting or important and I ponder upon it. Pondering and hearing is not instantaneous at all times and I miss hearing the next words. Kindly explain how to hear perfectly. Well, every statement of Shastra in, in the lecture is supposed to be speaking about Shastra. Every statement can be expanded Just like Prabhupada is giving purport to the verse. But what Krishna says, it's so deep that 
Hundreds of books can be written about every word that Krishna says. So similarly, when we're speaking, and someone's speaking, everything that could be said, you can think more about it. But then, when you think more about it, then again, that thought, if it's actually Krishna conscious, then again, you can expand that again. But if you do so, then you miss the flow of the lecture. <laughs> so there are different, just like if you're reading, there are two ways, there are different ways of reading. You can read all the verses and try to see the flow in them. And if you read by the purpose, then you see, then you go more deeply into each verse. So there's the flow of thought and there's the general flow and then there's deeply going into individual points. But when we're listening to a lecture, then we have to keep our mind on the flow of the lecture. Otherwise, if we divert our mind into pondering deeply about an individual point, then we'll miss the over, over, overall flow. So better we keep on listening and don't start pondering. You can write down some notes if something is there. While preaching, a lot of glories are coming. How to handle our act? What does that mean, a lot of glories? A lot of ecstasies? Who, who wrote this? Appreciate them very nice. You can, you can just like in Bhagavatam, that... Shukadeva Goswami tells Parikshit Maharaj, Vriyaneshate Prashna. You asked a very nice question. And similarly, the, uh, we see Shonak and the Rishis, they sometimes say to Sudha Goswami, Sadhu, very nice. So you can appreciate, you can say after the class, it's very nice. You can say, you can express appreciation. <coughs> Yamunacharya told that he will spit at the Prophet and join the women. Is this thought a spark due to the activities in karmic life? Yeah, Prabhupada explained that. He explained that. You see, even if you're completely pure in Krishna consciousness, thoughts from previous existence, previous life may come. Just like that stated in Bhagavad Gita, Krishna explains that so many thoughts may enter the mind, but one who is like a person who is like the ocean, it's like rivers entering the ocean. The rivers may be very powerful and they can carry away even big elephants. But it, when it enters the sea, it doesn't make any difference to the sea because the sea is oceanic. In English there's a word oceanic. It means vast. And so that even the great rivers don't affect it. So that example is given in the Gita that someone whose intelligence is like that of the ocean, then even so many thoughts may enter the mind that he's not disturbed. 
So Prabhupada gave this example of Yamunachar according to this verse that even though he is Nava Krishna Padara Vinde Nava Navagasa Dhamanukyatalantamasid. He said he's enjoying within his mind the thoughts of the pleasures of, of Krishna Bhakti. But sometimes it may enter his mind the thought of previously he was enjoying with women. But he doesn't act on that. Rather, he feels disgusted at that. But Prabhupada gave the example that the thought is still entering, the may still enter the mind due to previous practice. Prabhupada, he says, gave the example. He said, you see, now I'm, I'm practicing Krishna Bhakti. I'm preaching Bhakti all over the world. But sometimes I think of my family, he said. Although I'm completely detached from my family, sometimes the thought may come in my mind. Well, that doesn't mean that he changed his whole life and he was enjoying, but naturally the thought may come. The thought is there in the consciousness, so it may come. But when it comes, Prabhupada doesn't think, well, now I should go back to my family and no such idea comes. Just the thought comes. It comes and it goes. Like a bubble may come up from the, in the lake. It comes up and comes up and pops. So it goes. It comes and it goes. So like a bubble, we should, the thought comes, we should let it go. From deep in the consciousness, just like from deep in the bottom of the lake, so one bubble may come out of the mud. And it comes and let it simply go. Uh, maybe uh, we're going to do this. One, two, three, I'll ask him at once. Let's take it distance once. Uh, this was Paratas to Sahar. Hmm. Then Sahar referred to the last episode. Hmm. No, Ramanujan yeah. isn't like that. Although when, other commentators say refers to the Atma. When the Sahar always insists us to keep us always uh, separating Krishna consciousness or. Uh, yes, therefore we have instead of putting up above all the last, we have to put Krishna. Then what was it? while I was sitting in this class mm -hmm. of this Sahar. Well, I hope it was, uh, you're listening to Atma Gyan, so we hope that you are on the platform of Atma. That's the whole point, that the Atma is supposed to dictate to the intelligence. <coughs> but if, the, if we're not self-controlled, if we're not fixed in Atma Gyan, then the lust is dictating. So it's either Krishna or Maya, and that depends on our desire. So if Kaam is for Krishna, for Krishna Seva, then we're on the platform of Atma. But if Kaam is for material enjoyment, then we're on the platform of destruction. Buddhinasho, buddhinashat pranashyati, we're on the platform of destruction. It's all the same thing. The, the senses, when we're meditating on the senses, then we then desire comes. And then from desire comes anger from through the whole process and spoil and everything finished. Then 
For us, it's a whole fog. We're living in <laughs> our material desires. For him, it's a bubble. For us, it's the air, whole air we're breathing. Our material desires. Hmm. No, the po- yes, he's crossed the subtle level of enjoying. But but the consciousness is still there. Well, the the remembrance is still there. It's not that you cross over the but you, you then just everything that previously becomes blank. And someone else, now you're chanting Hare Krishna. You're you can see you're a great pure devotee. But uh, what were you doing before this? No idea. Where were you born? No idea. It becomes like a like a dream. But still the memory is there. You may remember some dreams that you had many years ago. Do you, do, does anyone remember dreams they had many years ago? Sometimes if it's a very strong, strongly experienced dream. <coughs> you may remember it for many years, but you know, it, it's there in the consciousness. And sometimes it may come back in the consciousness, even though it's just a dream. And that doesn't mean you take it seriously. So similarly, you may remember, oh, I was doing so many bad things. The thought comes and it goes, or I rather spit. Just like you may, uh, you may go back to a place where you were, you were, say you were living in Madras, but you were born in some village, and you didn't go there for 20 years, you go back and you say, oh, I used to sit here, and I used to do this, and I used to do that, and you remember that. So like that, a devotee, he may see things and remember things from his previous to Krishna consciousness, and he just... To me it seems like that, and I ask so many devotees, and they also say the same thing, the life previous to Krishna consciousness, remember, but it just seems like a dream. It doesn't seem like reality, because the consciousness is so different. Mm-hmm. I can't hear, what do you say? Yeah. No, it's not exactly knowledge. <coughs> I, I didn't say that. You say we may have knowledge and it still may affect us. One may have knowledge. Even a man of knowledge can be can fall down due to sensual attraction. One should not sit close to his mother, sister or daughter because the senses are very strong. And Prabhupada gave a rhetorical question. Well, that must be for some foolish rascal. But no, Vidvan, even one who is very learned, they may also... They may also be disturbed because the senses are so powerful, even for Vidva. Also in the Gita that Krishna says, what is that? Uh, 
There's a verse which says that even the senses are overcoming. Indriyas, indriyas, yate. What is that? The same thing is said anyway. Even as prasadam, by force, the mind is overcome. Even a man of knowledge. So, one may have knowledge, but unless one is fixed in the consciousness of serving Krishna, then he may be overcome by nasty desires. <coughs> Can you find out that verse? Where is that coming from? Second chapter? Yeah, I've just opened the book. It's only on the right page. I knew it's somewhere in the book. Indriyani pramatini haranti prasavangmana The senses are so strong that they take away even the mind by force, prasadam, by force, it appears to be. The same thing Arjuna is asking. Anichanapi Vaishnaya, balad, by force, baladi vanayojita. It's as almost 